Welcome to the I Heart My Life show with success coach Emily Williams. Tune in daily to learn how to design a life you love, create more success and wealth, move past fear and blocks, and bring more joy into your life and business. It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams. Hey everyone, it's Emily Williams here, the founder of I Heart My Life and your host of the I Heart My Life show. So we have the beautiful Christine Egan here with us today. She's someone who I met a little over a year ago, I think it was, at an, at an event, and she inspired me so much. I've never forgotten her story and since then have followed her online, and I'm just so excited to have the opportunity to introduce her to you today. So Christine is a healthy living advocate, the author of The Healthy Girl's Guide to Breast Cancer, and part owner of a non-toxic cosmetic brand, Life on Mars Beauty. Amazing. She ran a half marathon after ending 33 radiation treatments and a full marathon to celebrate her remission. Today, she leads the hashtag Redefining Healthy Movement, teaching women around the world how to feel healthy in their bodies, now, not after losing 15 pounds, finishing cancer treatment, or quitting their dead-end job. Christine has appeared on national and local news, as well as in Yoga Journal, Better Homes and Garden, and many more. She's also given talks for major running brands, um, and now she lives on Long Island, New York, with her husband and three beautiful children. So welcome, Christine. So excited to have you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I truly am honored to be here. And you know, it's funny because when we did meet at um, that event a little over a year ago, I madly fell in love with you because you were madly in love. And I thought anybody who is like madly in love and like shares it with the world, I want to be friends with them. <laughs> Amazing. You mean in love with James? Yes, in love with your husband. I mean, just in love with life, like yeah. in love with the work that you do, in love with your husband, in love that you, um, you know, inspire other women to become better entrepreneurs, like all of the above. And, you know, that that energy is contagious. That positivity is contagious. And I think that's why we connected so well. Me too. I love that. I'm sure it's going to be obvious for everyone uh, very soon if it isn't already. So what I love to ask my guests and what I find with all my guests is that everyone has this I hurt my life story where um, maybe it's a moment where everything changed course. Maybe it's a moment where they thought things were never going to get better and it was their darkest moment. Um, and it really was one of those things that led them to where they are today. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about your experience that's led you to do the work that you do now and a little bit about your own I hurt my life story. Yeah. So I thought my life was going pretty great, you know, up until uh, eight years ago. Like I thought I was doing everything that I was supposed to. You know, I married my high school sweetheart. We had three kids. We were living this life outside the proverbial box. We homeschooled our kids. Like I thought that that was kind of it. And I, you know, was just going along. And then totally out of left field, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And it was such a shock because I had led a really healthy lifestyle prior to being diagnosed. Like my kids were born at home. We had this front yard and backyard garden and, you know, we lived organically. And here I was a certified health coach helping other women in my community become healthy. And then here I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I think when you um, are given such a, um, a horrible diagnosis, it really kind of smacks you right in the head 
with this uh, leading your life with urgency of like really, really focusing in on the things that you can do. So I say like that one year of undergoing cancer treatments was like my big wake up call because I only had so much energy to devote to anything other than myself. So things become really apparent as to what's important, what's not important, what friends are important, what friends aren't important. Um, it just kind of refocused my life. And I really, really live my life every single day with knowing like that life has this finite date. And I don't want there to be a day that goes by that I'm not living it fully. Amazing. So one of the things I think I remember you saying is when you were diagnosed, you decided that it didn't have to be this horrible experience. You were going to basically have the most fun you could possibly have while going through that. Is that right? I know. It sounds so crazy. You know, when I retell this story, it really is like something spiritual took over. It's not like I was diagnosed and I was like, oh my God, how am I going to make this great? It was like knowing that this horrible thing was handed to me, but how could I go about it the best way that I can? Knowing that that was really important for my body to heal, right? So if I went into this whole you know, cancer treatment thing being really fearful, although I was, um, being really scared about the treatments, being really scared about the uncertainty, instead of focusing on those things, I really wanted to focus on helpful people along my journey. So before I'd go into, you know, a doctor's office, I would literally sit quietly for a few minutes and know that the most helpful, joyful people were going to be the ones that helped me that day. And being really upfront and honest with so many people as I could. So one of the things I hate doing still to this day is giving blood. Well, not giving blood, doing blood work. And I would, um, I'd bring stickers with me like little stickers from my husband's orthodontic office that people would just go crazy for. And I would say up front to the, um, the technician, I'm really fearful about giving blood. I don't like it. I'm just going to talk a mile in a minute. And if you're really good, I have this sticker for you. And it kind of like broke the ice with people. It was like, oh my gosh, she's got a sticker for me. And I would hand out stickers to people who were really helpful to me along my journey. Oh my gosh, I love that example. That's amazing. Yeah. But the thing I don't understand, like you seem like such a positive person, right? So I would think that, you know, some of us wouldn't come up with those ideas. So where does that come from for you? You know, again, it really was just this something had taken over. You know, I did something else when when you're undergoing breast cancer, you know, treatments, you're topless all the time, right? So everybody and anybody gets to see your breasts. And it became this joke for me that whoever got to see my breasts had to take a selfie with me. So if it was like a technician, if it was like a doctor's assistant, if it was the doctor, if it was someone in the lab, anybody who saw my breasts got into a selfie with me. And as my treatment went along, more and more people would be like, oh, we heard about you. And, you know, like excitement to get into that selfie with me. Again, it was like a way of handling this really heavy thing and it was just my way of coping of of really trying to raise those endorphins and and raise my healing ability and those were some of the things that helped me cope 
That's so beautiful. I think that's so important what you said about spending a few minutes in the car before going into the doctor's office. I know that um, I think it's Oprah who has some sort of sign in her office that basically says you're responsible for the energy that you bring to this room. And I really believe that what we put out, we get back. And so if you were going in like total, you know, gloom, doomsday type of a person into this office, you know, that's what other people would feel and they might reflect that back to you. But if you're going in with the stickers and with the intention of taking the selfie, then people will feel that energy from you and be more likely to show up in that way too. Yeah. And be, you know, and the other part of that is like, be honest, you know, like I'm really upfront about the blood work. Like, I don't like it. How can we make this go easier for me? I'm always saying that. And it's so top of mind because I just went this past week. And still, eight years later, you know, when I go into the office, I say to the woman, hey, first of all, you're not the one who's usually here. I have a guy. Like, I love this guy. I've been going to him for years and he's not there. And I'm like, I'm really scared. He's not here. What can we do to make this better? She's like, don't worry. I got this. I've been doing it for 13 years. And it went smoothly, but it's, it's, it's not pretending to be something I'm not. So it was a whole year of treatment. Is that right? Yeah, it was a whole year. I, yeah, it was a whole entire year. I was diagnosed in January and then that following January is when I ran my, uh, first marathon. So talk about that. So not many people would go through 33 treatments and in the midst of all that decide to sign up for the marathon. So what was going through your mind. You know, there's that famous quote we've had, it's actually hung up in our house. Like, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? And my line for that answer, for that question for years was run a marathon. Like if I knew I couldn't fail and I knew like I could actually do it, I would run a marathon. It was like always on my list, which I'm not a big runner. I mean, like I came to running like five K's, like after my third child was born. So like mid thirties, um, and I had run half marathons, but a marathon was always this like elusive thing. And then after cancer treatments, I was like, I'm invincible. I can do anything I want. And the one thing to me that uh, wouldn't be really significant would be a marathon. So I trained for a marathon. Yeah. Wow. And how was that experience? It was great. It was a lot of fun. You know, my husband helped me pick which marathon to do. I wanted something that was going to be really fun not super, not super challenging. I needed to be fast and flat. And we wound up doing the Disney marathon together, which of course, you know, Disney, it was, it was really, really good. It's really fun. There's a lot of characters along the way and they even open up rides for you so that if you're running and you know, you're not running for a fast time, they let you go jump on a ride, which is what I did when I got to uh, Animal Kingdom, I jumped on a ride. Like I tried to make it as much fun as possible and still complete the marathon, which was what my goal was, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. it seems like the theme has been having fun and doing your best to show up in that way. So talk yeah. a little bit about your husband, because I know that's something we're going to discuss today. I'm really just so impressed by your relationship and how you share so openly about what's worked for the two of you. But during that time, what was that experience like for your family, you going through all the treatments and, and experiencing that? You know, it's really interesting. If you were to ask my husband or my kids about the cancer treatments, I don't think it was like this big blip on the radar for them. I really don't. I, I think that they relive it 
as I talk and do the work that I do, but I don't think it was this big, horrible thing that they, that happened to them. Um, and I say that because we handled it in such a different way, meaning I hired someone to watch the kids when I had treatments so that when I came back from treatments, I could rest and like do my body, let my body do what it needed to do, which was heal. So like for them, it was really fun because we had this college age girl come to the house that they absolutely loved and they got to hang out and play with her and like do these really cool things. So, and that went on for like months. So it wasn't like, oh, mom's too sick to play with me or be with me. It was more like, oh, like, you know, Kelly gets to come. It, it was, it wasn't like this big, horrible thing. It was an opportunity for us that when we were spending time together, that it was really good quality time. It was laying in bed watching movies or it was cooking meals together. You know, it was just really simple things that meant a lot to us. Mm. And I think if you had handled it differently, obviously that might've been a different experience for them. So yeah. I think that is a testament to you and the decisions you made as well. Yeah. And you know, the other big piece to that, and this is, you know, real is that I did not lose my hair during my treatment. So I think, which is why it's so long because I haven't cut it in eight years. But, um, I think that my physicality didn't change along the way. So I still looked the same, even though I might not have had the same amount of energy for the whole time. Um, I was still the same person. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, my kids helped me um, with my treatment. So when I did radiation treatments, radiation is this like, really strange thing where you go into um, like the waiting room area, reception area, and they call you in. And where I was, it was in this long hallway, and there's two dressing rooms side by side. So one person is in the radiation room, and their clothes are in one dressing room, and I'm in another. And then that person comes out of radiation, goes into the dressing room, and then they call you out. Like all this like confidentiality, you don't see anybody. It's, you know, it's bizarre. And my kids would help me come up with inspirational messages and we'd write them on these sticky notes and leave it on the mirror. So I was one of the first treatment, uh, the first appointments in the morning. It was like eight or 8.15. And I would come with an inspirational quote, stick it on the mirror, come down and the next day put up another one. And I never saw who came after me. I never, you know, saw any people. Um, but I knew that they saw those messages on the, um, on the mirror. And like I said, and it was up to my kids to come up with something like really fun and just simple. There were, you know, one lines, my son, I know my son, the oldest son, like his favorite was don't show me that the sky's the limit because there's footprints on the moon. Like they would come up with that. Like my favorite saying of all time, and my kids know it is, do your best and forget the rest. Um, you know, don't look back. You're not going that way. You know, it was just these simple ones that you've seen all the time, but had new meaning as you were undergoing radiation, you know, before you get into that room with the big sign radioactive, it would just kind of reset my mind before I got in there. Wow, I'm so touched by that. That's absolutely incredible. 
And I mean, you are just such a special person. I'm so inspired by you as you went through this process and of course who you are today. So I'd Whoa. love for you to share a little bit with the audience. So you, you felt like things were going well. You were a health coach. Your husband had this amazing business. You have some incredible kids. So what has changed since that year of going through the, the treatment and experiencing cancer? Yeah. Um, well, one is obviously the relationship with my husband. So, um, again, this is, you know, really different for what people experience when they were undergoing cancer treatments. But I was so fearful that I was going to be so sick that I wasn't going to be able to be intimate with my husband. So I, it was almost like, let's cram in having sex while I'm good until I can't. And I think something special came from that. Like, I'm not, you know, it wasn't like just sex. It was like cuddling, but it was more of saying yes to things and saying no to things. And it forced me to like get rid of my ratty underpants that were like in my drawer. It was like the time to like get rid of all those nightgowns that had like little holes in them or ones that I've been wearing since college. Like it was that opportunity for me to feel really good with the with how I was feeling, you know, looking, what I was putting onto my body, um, what I was putting into my body with foods. And it was just an opportunity to really take in as much pleasure as I could. And the pleasure came from lots and lots of places. Like what? Well, um, you know, like, like I said, it was like wearing the things that made me feel good. It was, um, saying yes to my husband more. And like I said, whether it was cuddling at night, knowing that it could lead to something or it might not lead to something, or just saying yes to having sex and having an orgasm because I wasn't sure of what I was gonna feel like even the next day. So it was almost like this, this I was like forced to like take in all this stuff because it was like, I didn't know when it was going to end, this good feeling and this goodness. And luckily, I was able to maintain being well during my whole year that we did have, you know, a lot of sex and intimacy that one year, um, probably more than the however many years it was prior to that. I love that. And it's like this gave you the opportunity to live life to the fullest and, yeah. you know, to show up every single day, like, you know, almost like tomorrow wasn't going to happen or you weren't going to be able to really live that day. Yeah. Yeah. It was. And then, you know, there were a handful of like panic stricken days where it like jars you to be like, okay, like this could be it. I had a, um, I had a, um, a blood clot in my arm and I really, really, really freaked out. Like, I really thought, I can't believe the cancer didn't kill me, but this blood clot is going to, like, do me in. I really thought, like, that was going to be the end of me. This blood clot's going to travel to my brain, and that's, like, going to be it. And, like, just the, there were a handful of those kinds of things along the way that, like, just jarred me. As if, like, the cancer wasn't enough, we're going to, like, jar you with these other you know, many episodes along the way to really make sure you get this message of like living life to the fullest every single day. Mm, beautiful. beautiful. So after the break, I want to talk a little bit about how that transformed the work you do in the world as well. You were already super inspirational as a health coach, but I know that now you have an even bigger platform and things have really happened for you in an even bigger way. So I want to talk a little bit that, about that in just a second. 
Our goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. All right, everyone, it's Emily Williams here and Christine Egan. I'm so excited to welcome you back. As you heard prior to the break, we've been talking to Christine all about her year of experiencing radiation and how that affected her family in an actually very positive way um, and how she herself was able to bring light to other people who were also going through the same treatment. And, um, you know, it really is a testament to who you are, Christine. And I know you said, in a way, it's it's been a positive thing that has happened. And I'd love to know a little bit about the work you do now and what started happening for you in terms of career and getting your message out there after the year of radiation. Yeah, so after um, the year's worth of cancer treatments, I blogged along the way. Now, this was eight years ago, right? So this is like before Facebook was as big as it is now. And really, the only way for me to communicate with family and friends was through a blog that I kept. And that was like just a a way to update everybody so that no one was really calling me and no one was really, you know, talking to Frank at the office because that was just too jarring, right? So the, the blog name was the healthiest girl in the room because I was the healthiest girl in the room. I was the one that was not supposed to get breast cancer. You know, it was somebody else. And the blog is what turned into the book. And it was just truly organic. So when my kids were born, they were born at home. Um, The first two, the other one was born in the hospital. The last one was born in the hospital. But I really regretted not writing down all the details of the birth. And I remember that in the back of my head thinking, I really want to get some of the emotions and what I went through down on paper while it's fresh in my head. And I, I, part of the, the, um, part of my joke along with that picture that I would take with people was be nice to me because I'm going to write a book and you wouldn't want to be portrayed poorly in the book. And it started out as a joke, but it kind of, it like planted the seeds in my head about just getting stuff down on paper. Now, I had been to um, a workshop series prior to being diagnosed, and part of the breakout series was uh, writing your own book. And I took that part of the seminar, and I fell in love with the woman who was teaching it. And at that time, I thought the book that I was going to write was this book about local farmers, that my son would interview the farmers, to get their favorite recipes, my daughter would take the pictures, and then my youngest one would somehow, you know, take part in putting the book together. And that was like a homeschooling project that I thought we were going to do as a family. I didn't know that the book that I was going to be writing was my own. And I ran into that woman, Suzanne, at an event. And I said, um, you know, I took your seminar. And she's like, yeah, I remember you. I said, well, I think I'm ready to write the book, but it's not the one that I had intended. And she said, okay, well, let's work together. So I had this book coach help me 
just help me organize my thoughts. And as I was writing, not this is no joke. Someone would talk to me about the subject that I would just be writing about. So if it was about, um, you know, I write in there about being the CEO of your body and what that means and how to go into a doctor's office feeling empowered rather than feeling like a victim. Someone would stop me on the street and ask me a question just as it related to that. Or some, I'd be writing about the supplements that I'm taking now and people would stop me and say, what are you doing? Cause your hair looks really good or your skin is glowing. Like, why do you look so good? So I, it was like reinforcing the work that I was doing and I knew, okay, like I got to get this out there. Now I self-published because my goal was honest. This is the truth. I just wanted 10 copies. I just wanted 10 copies of an actual book, not an ebook that I could keep for myself and hand out to family and friends so that they really understood what we as a family went through that one year. And the book became something so much bigger than I ever, ever, ever could imagine. Like I never, ever thought that my story would help someone as they went through treatment or that my story would help somebody get through treatment and know it's going to be okay or help someone just refocus their thoughts and their mindset about how they could go about their own cancer treatments. Like that was never, ever, ever a goal of mine. It was just to get my, my story down on paper so that I could remember it. I and, love so yeah. much about that. And I really relate with to that because when James and I were dating, I didn't want to miss any moment. So I literally have journals full of everything from the first year and a half of our relationship until we got married. And um, so I totally get it. And I love what you said. You said you never intended it to be as big as it's been, but you followed that feeling of, you know, I really want to get this down on paper. I really want to share this um, with our family and friends who maybe weren't here experiencing it firsthand. And you just followed that gut instinct. And I think so often those gut instincts and those desires lead to those big things that we do and us having an impact in the world. So I just want all the I Heart My Lifers listening to really recognize that and um, to hear what Christine's saying there. Yeah. And I want to add on to that. Like it was innocent. Like it was not like me saying, oh, I want to build this business based on what I went through. So let me retell my story. It was it was so ridiculously innocent. Like I didn't even have a website. Like there wasn't even anything for the book. Like it just it just kind of took off magically. That is part of that's the service part. Right. That's that part where I have to show up every single day talking about this because it's bigger than I am. Yeah, that's how I feel about the I Heart My Life movement as well. You know, it's it's not about me, right? It's about the message and the impact. Yes, I say that all the time to people. And I have to say to myself, like, get out of your own way. This isn't about you. This is about the message and the inspiration that you're going to give somebody else, whether it's a friend of someone who's going through cancer treatments, a family member of somebody who's going through cancer treatment, or the person themselves. They just need to hear one glimpse of your story. That's it. And that is what I try to do. And it's not even people experiencing cancer. You know, right now you're (laughs) inspiring all of us. And I you know, have never experienced that before. And you've stood out in my memory for the past year and a half. And so your story really is so much more universal than even that. Oh, thanks. Yes. Yes, it is. You're, you're correct. And 
I, I come back to the cancer because let me, this is interesting and this is truthful for your, you know, your people is that it took me a really long time to want to work with cancer patients. Why is that? So yeah, I, well, I wrote this book, right? It's called the healthy girl's guide to breast cancer. You think that that's who I, you know, that's who I would be talking to. That's who my clients would be. That's who I wanted to work with, but I, I didn't want to because it was something that was so heavy and I felt like this big responsibility. So for the longest time, I just used my story as a platform and then talked about what it meant to redefine healthy for myself and kind of, you know, use that to talk to other people. But now eight years later and like a lot of work later, you know, work out with people and work on myself, like now I'm helping women live this life after cancer. And that's what my whole year of 2018 is already booked out with doing workshops for um, groups of 15 women, taking them through a 12-week series of true transformation, of really being able to live their life out loud now that they're finished with their cancer treatments. Because so many people that I meet after cancer are so fearful. They're fearful that cancer is coming back, that it's holding them back from living the life that they're meant to lead. And that is what I'm so passionate about now is helping women get out of their way to live the life that they're meant to live. Mm, beautiful. And and how did that happen? So you went from the ten, the dream of the 10 books um, to now leading all these workshops, completely being booked out. I know you've been featured um, across the media. So tell us more about how that happened. Again, it's that service. It's knowing that this message is bigger than myself and just showing up every day to retell the story and being letting the story grow. So being open now to working with cancer patients where I wasn't before because I have grown and that I'm, I've put time be, you know, behind me. And now it's, now it's my opportunity and my responsibility to share with other women what they can do to feel empowered after cancer. So what does living life out loud look like for your clients and for you? Well, it looks like teaching various healing techniques and letting people know that they can change the mindset. Like I just heard that line uh, from Scott Hamill last night on the Olympics. And I heard this statistic before, but forgot it. For every negative um, thought that we tell ourselves or even say out loud, we need 15 positive ones to reinforce that one negative. So I want to help women wake up knowing that they're healthy and feeling good no matter what. I want that to be the first thing on their mind, not like, oh, I'm so achy, I'm, it must be the cancer, it must come back. Like That narrative plays in their head 24 seven, and I feel like it's my responsibility to help them reset their mind towards something positive. And you know, it, there's a handful of things that we do like actively, like eating, you know, healthy foods, taking healthy supplements, but the rest are all mindset changes. It's various healing techniques, whether it's a sound meditation, whether it's a quiet meditation, whether it's a guided meditation, but there's so many other things that we can do to help us reset that mindset. 
Mm, so do you find that's the biggest shift that needs to happen for people once they experience something like this? I think they need to know that there's another way to heal besides the cancer treatments that they just did. Like I have that conversation where I have to like stop a woman, almost like take her by the shoulders and say to me, you just went through a year's worth of cancer treatments. You have to have faith that what you did is enough. So let's put that behind us and let's work on other healing modalities that have so much power. But now is the time to tap into those. And it's like, okay, you're right. Like, let's refocus on other healing modalities. Like, yes, we did the, the surgery, the chemo, the radiation or whatever it may be. Like you trusted your doctor enough to do those and you trusted your body enough to know that that was going to kill the cancer. Now let's learn other healing techniques that we can use in our day-to-day -day life to maintain our health. And why do you think people are so afraid to almost move on or to trust that what they did was enough? Yeah. <sighs> I think because cancer is so heavy and because it, it is so big and because it leaves lingering not only thoughts but physicalities, you know, like I see a scar on my breast every day. I see this tattoo mark every day from radiation. Like there are physical scars that you see every day. And then there's also like just remnants of like sore muscles, sore joints. Those are also like, you know, remnants of chemotherapy, remnants of radiation. So I think that there's those things that they see and feel every day that just trigger the fearfulness of cancer. Mm. And um, it's like a PTSD and it's like retraining the brain. Like you're okay. What are my healing? What are my, what's in my toolbox to help reshift my thought pattern here? Mm. I love that. And you know, part of that I really resonate with cause I help women move past some of their money blocks and money struggles and money scars. And, you know, what you said about the quote about how it takes 15 positive thoughts to really replace that negative one. You know, we have so many negative thoughts and negative programming around money and really shifting your mindset is um, it's just a new experience for people. And it does take practice and it does take time. And I oftentimes have people saying, well, this isn't working. But they when I take a look at like their thought inventory, what they're thinking for the majority of the time throughout the day. It's like they're trying to think positively for 10 minutes, but then the rest of the time they're, you know, stuck in the past or stuck in the what ifs or the fears or whatnot. And we really, it's a practice, that mindset work, it is a true practice. And, you know, it takes some time and discipline. Mm -hmm. it's, it's retelling a story. It's one story that may be playing in your head, but I'm here to tell you we can rewrite that story. And this is what it could look like. I'm sure that when people find you, it's such relief. I don't know many people doing this specific work that you're doing in the world. So tell us a little bit about the type of work you do. So you have these workshops for 15 people. What other ways do you work with clients? Well, I do see a handful of one-on-one -on -one people, which started last year. Again, I stopped all my one-on-ones. So people would reach out to me and I would refer them out. I had two other people that I would refer all these all these clients that would reach out to me and I just wasn't ready to take them on. 
And, you know, after doing so many healing things for myself and, and, you know, different therapy, like now I'm ready to take it on and know that like I can handle it. My body can handle it. I'm not going to, you know, become this type A personality that I was before taking on more that I could handle. Um, so, so is I it do a fear see... of overwhelm or a fear of taking on too much? It was a fear of overwhelm. I was afraid that I would just start saying yes to everything and then I wouldn't be able to take care of myself and I would put all these people ahead of me instead of putting myself as number one. But, you know, it, it's a practice. It's a practice. And like this morning, I put together a list of things that I had to do before you and I talked and they were all like self-care things. I had to go work out. I had to go walk the dog. I had to take my supplements. I had to drink my smoothie. It was like, I have to do those baseline things before I can do this work. Mm, I think that's so interesting because in, you know, me working with coaches and women who want to build big businesses, oftentimes there's certain money milestones where in their mind, they think if they get there, it's going to be a mess. They're going to be overwhelmed. You know, they're never going to see their husband, never going to see the kids. And so they stop themselves from even moving forward to get to that place. And so it's so interesting, you know, the stories and, and the dramas and the thoughts that we have around the future and what we think think is on its way. Yeah. I'm going to bring in my husband's business as we talk about that. Cause I think it's really important. Like, so he has, um, a private practice. He's an orthodontist and he works only 20 hours a week. And, um, we've built this life around this really, you know, simple practice of when he goes to work, it's a, they're really productive hours. He's there doing what he absolutely loves, which is creating smiles and then has a staff of people around him to do the things that they do best. Now, I think what makes his office so successful besides the high energy and the positivity that he brings is that we vacation every six weeks. So, and we've done that for 22 years. So every six weeks we go away, whether it's a week or whether it's a Thursday through a Sunday, but there is an absence from the practice. And it's an opportunity for him to regenerate, you know, himself and to stop, enjoy, and then go back. And I think that that is one of the keys to his business is us stopping and um, slowing down and then going back. You know, like to sustain that high energy and to sustain that positivity is just really difficult. But when you stop every six weeks to take a break, then you can go back and do it again. So it's that when you were talking about overwhelm, it's like, yeah, there's there's always an opportunity for overwhelm, but how you deal with it is up to you. Wow, that's amazing. You just blew my mind. <laughs> um, so I want to pick up there after the break. I want to get a bit clearer around what these breaks look like to you guys and also some of the other practices that people can put in place to avoid that overwhelm. So we'll be back in just a second. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep, but it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. 
created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Awesome. So we're back. It's Emily Williams here, the founder of I Heart My Life with Christine Egan. And Christine was just telling us before the break a little bit about this practice that she and her husband have of going away every six weeks, whether it's a Thursday through Sunday or taking a week off and how that's really helped them sustain their success and to be able to kind of feel rejuvenated um, every six weeks so they avoid burnout and overwhelm. So I was just telling Christine during the break that that really, really appeals to me. It's something I never even considered. We do travel a lot, but the truth is, is that when you live a laptop life, laptop lifestyle, your business travels with you. And so, you know, I really haven't had that much time off, like completely off in, you know, the past three and a half years as I've been building my business and we're still building our team. So anyway, blown away by this, Christine. So tell us a little bit more about how this happened. Was it naturally something that you guys put in place or was there this period of overwhelm where you realized, okay, you know what, we can't keep go- keep going on like this. We have to put this in place. No, I, it happened organically. You know, since we homeschooled the kids, we weren't on a school schedule. And we just kind of took these vacations straight from the beginning when he took over this practice. And then it was just something we did. But the beauty of the vacation is magic happens when we're on vacation. Meaning it's great for Frank because it's an opportunity for him to like slow down. It's an opportunity for the women who work in the office either to take on you know, work more hours at another job or quiet time for them so that they come back refreshed. But this is no joke. Every single time we take a trip, something magical happens in my business. I will get an interview that I had been trying to get while I'm on vacation. A big publication will have or print my interview while we're on vacation. Like an opportunity will arise while I'm on vacation. It's no joke, no joke. Magic happens on the vacation. And I think that's a message to me of magic happens when I slow down. And why do you think that is? I think a lot of times I force and, and um, push things all along the way. And I want, want, want. And when I stop the wanting and that surrendering happens is when the magic appears. That's so funny. The woman who is doing my hair today, she's also a cancer survivor. And she was telling me that while she was going through her treatment, she was at a local coffee shop and she'd already resigned herself to not be looking for the perfect man while she was going through cancer treatment. She didn't really feel like that was the best time to meet someone. So she just, you know, was just relaxed and being herself and someone sat down next to her and she turned to him and she just struck up a conversation. Again, no intentions there about creating a love affair or anything like that. 
But it turns out, you know, they're together three years later. And she was saying, you know, I feel like it's finally when I let go that it happened for me. And I think that's such an interesting concept because I'm of the action taking and the doing mind. And like, let's just make it happen. And I think you can have both sides. But I agree, like some of my best ideas have been when I'm at an exercise class or when I'm in the shower or when I'm not really supposed to be thinking. Mm -hmm. Exactly. See, my husband is the yin to my yang or vice versa like he is of that mindset like so he has like his goals and then that's it like his blinders are on like this is my goal so like as simple as training for a marathon like on my calendar it might say six miles or ten miles and I'm like I'll start like talking to the calendar like I can't believe I have to do 10 miles today. How am I going to do it? Am I going to break it up? Like this whole conversation goes on in my head, whereas he sees 10 and just goes out and runs 10. I mean, like, I don't know if that's a male, female. I don't know if that's just him, like just being so goal driven, but that's how he is. And I learn from that. And then, you know, he learns stuff from me. So I pick up on his calmness and his like knowing that once I make that decision to do it, it's going to happen. It just might take time for it to happen, but I know it's going to happen. Whereas I'm like, like, let's make it happen. Let's make it happen with something that might take, you know, six months. I wanted it to happen in three, but yeah, it's, it's that give and take in any relationship. And it's, you know, finding those things like what can I learn from him and what can he learn from me? Mm, beautiful. Yeah. What is it about your relationship that really makes it so strong? Obviously taking these, this time together, you know, the self care, really learning from one another, but what are your other tips or tricks? Yeah, I'm in love with him and he's in love with me. You know, we used to teach um, a pre cana class through the Catholic church and the name of the book is called a decision to love. And when we first saw that cover, we're like, like what's a decision love like obviously you're in love with this person but it really is a decision every single day to be in love with that person right and show them that you love them every single day some days are easier than others you know today happens to be an easy day right it's valentine's day i've just come back from a four-day vacation like it's easy but then there are days that it's really hard for me to show that i love him and he does the same for me. We show each other every single day. We're, you know, best friends. Uh, you know, we, we do so many things together. And, you know, we've been together for 22 years. I've known him since 1984 uh, in high school. So we've known each other a really, really long time. You know, I've, we've known each other when we've had nothing. And we know each other now when we have something. You know, this past year we bought Tesla. And we got in the Tesla and we were driving down to the beach and we were listening to music, like playing with the radio that's in it. And we just looked at each other and we like, do you remember like the first car like that we were in? It was like this beat up, you know, Chevy and like, look at us now. And we like laugh, we giggle like we're kids. Like, I can't believe that we get to live this life. Like, just like you were saying, like, I love my life so much and I want to appreciate every single thing that I have. I freaking love driving that Tesla. Like, I think it is the greatest thing in the world. Like, I love it. And I love that we get to have fun in it. And I love that, you know, it took us, you know, 22 years to get this car and, you know, but like celebrate it. And 
I, I feel like that about so many of the things that we do together, like work out together. I celebrate the fact that I'm strong enough that we get to work out together every morning. You know, I celebrate the fact that we get to cook dinner together at night. You know, I celebrate that we get to go to bed together every single night, to, you know, and I, I just, I find those things and really just celebrate the heck out of them. Beautiful. How has your relationship changed since becoming more successful or has it? <sighs> That's good. Um, I think that, I think we... We own it, meaning, again, like celebrating, like Frank had his best year ever last year after 22 years. Like we celebrate the heck out of that. 21 years, it was the best year ever. 20 years, it was the best year ever. Like we grow every year and it's like, how can we top that and still have fun without like, you know, going crazy or feeling overwhelmed, you know, how can we, I think the answer to that is like coming up with creative ways of still being really successful and still having fun without it being overwhelming. Mm. And it sounds like gratitude and celebration and really acknowledging it. I think that's a key piece that a lot of people forget. It's like, okay, on to the next and they yeah, forget exactly. to actually acknowledge and, you know, part of that celebration and acknowledgement gets you to that next thing because then you're just chasing it, right? And not really ever feeling the feeling when you get it. And then it's the next thing. And then it's the next thing. So we celebrate the heck out of everything. You know, when our staff, when we had our best year ever, we took the girls, the staff away for three days at a spa. And we're doing that again in the end of March. So we had our best year ever last year, 2017. We're taking them away. There's 12 of us that go away to a spa for three days, spa treatments, food, classes. We come back as a team, totally rejuvenated, ready to do it again this year. And it's our way of saying thank you, but it's also, you know, this is like me, the health coach, but it's also like a way of like doing something really healthy for us to, um, you know, come back feeling rejuvenated. Like we used to go to Vegas and then it's like, no, it's almost like defeating the purpose, right? Like everyone comes back and they're like tired and then like I lost some money, you know? So now it's like, let's do something healthy together um, and then come back feeling even better and like better as a team to uh, know that we're in the world of creating smiles. How can we make that even better and more fun? Hmm. Yeah, I resonate with that. In our, all of our programs, we do Success Fridays, where every Friday we celebrate what everyone has experienced and what milestones they've hit. It can be big or small. And I know for me, you know, especially when it comes to something like a launch that takes a lot of energy, if I wait until the very end to have maybe that glass of champagne or whatever it is, it's like, I just worked for so many months and I'm just now celebrating. That doesn't make any sense. It's not enough. That's right. So celebrating along the journey is so important. It's motivation to keep going forward. And also, like you said, it attracts more positive things into your world. Yeah. And like I said, you know, when all you're doing is chasing that next thing, you're not enjoying life because all you're doing is waiting. You're, you're procrastinating. Um, you're, you're not living life to its fullest when you can't celebrate what you did in that moment or in that day. Like, yeah. don't wait. Celebrate the heck out of it now. 
I love that quote. Celebrate the heck out of it. Listen, <laughs> I heart my lifers. Christine knows what she's talking about. So one of the favorite things that I love to ask all of our um, uh, guests here on the show is how you would suggest people create a life that's better than their dreams. Because mm. it's obvious that you've done that in many, many ways with the relationship, with the book, with the clients you work with, the message, even you yourself, you know, having this beautiful morning routine that's non-negotiable for you. So how would you suggest or how have you created a life better than your dreams? Yeah, I'm really particular about who and who I spend my time with or what I spend my time with. You know, here in the United States, like the news is something that's so big here right now. I had to take the news app off my phone because I knew what it was doing to me. It was bringing me down. So it's being conscious of the things that are not lifting you up. What isn't lifting you up or, or putting that like fire in your belly or making you feel really good every single day? Find those things, do the things that make you happy, do more of them, do less of the things that make you angry or unhappy, and you will have a much happier life that you will say, I heart my life. Love it. And what would you say are those things that really light you up? Like, what are those, you know, for me in particular, I've tried so many morning routines and you're listing off all these things that work for you. I'd love to know, like, what does contribute to your happiness every single day? Uh, my husband, uh, my kids, like, so my kids are away. They don't even live at home anymore, but like, I'm always in contact with them. Like whether it's a text message super quick in the morning, or it might be a quick phone call, um, I was texting my daughter before to help me like get like see the picture of myself before we came on Skype. Like I'm always like in touch with them and that really lights up my life. And you know, doing really good things for myself, like eating really good foods, exercising, like just those basic things that make me feel really good so that I can do good for others. Um, I do, I have a morning routine as it comes to my coffee. Like it's this love hate relationship with drinking coffee, but I freaking love it. Like I love every second of it. And I make like this ritual of it. Like I love those first sips. Like I really am quiet and like really tune into how good it tastes and like really, really enjoy the coffee that I'm doing. So although it might be something that might be not high on the list for health benefits, but it's something that I truly enjoy, so I enjoy the heck out of it. Yeah, I love that. I had a nutritionist. We had this whole conversation about coffee because I love coffee too. And she's like, does it bring you joy? And I said, yes. And she said, okay, keep doing it. That's right. <laughs> That's what well, it comes down to. I, ha I was thinking to myself, like if a client came to me and said, I do this thing every single morning that I absolutely love and I know it's not the best thing for me, should I quit it? And I was thinking if someone came and said that to me, I'd say, no, enjoy it. Just don't like go crazy with it. You know, I'm really, you know, I do a, a really small cup. I only drink one a day, but I truly enjoy that one cup of coffee. Beautiful. So Christine, what are you most excited about in the next year? Uh, I am most excited about, I'm, I'm excited about a couple of things. One, I'm excited about another best year ever with my husband, you know, together as a couple and together for that office, because when he wins, we all win. I'm excited that one of my sons is graduating college. That's like a really big milestone. Um, I have another one who's graduating high school. That's a really big milestone. Um, and I'm really excited that I've kind of uh, slid into this ease feeling 
as it relates to the work that I'm doing instead of like this struggle of um, what it is I want to say, what it is, how can I reach as many people? Like I've taken that and really simplified it by saying I'm doing these three workshops this year. They're 12 weeks long. Like who am I going to fill them up with? And I'm not trying to do something more than that. I will do something more than that, but that's what my focus is. It's nothing that's super complicated. It's just pure simplicity and ease. And that's what I'm bringing in in 2018. Amazing. I can't wait to watch. So where can people find you online? People can find me at redefining-healthy.com. And my story's up there, pictures of my family, pictures of my dog who found my cancer. All those things are on that page. Um, And there's a link to books. There's a link to um, some media that I've been in. So all the information is there, redefining, and then a dash healthy.com. Thank you for sharing that. And to all the I Heart My Lifers listening, thank you so much for being a part of this episode. I hope you're as inspired by Christine as I am and that you're going to go off and find that joy in your life to celebrate every single day, to recognize that each day is special and that you too can create a life better than your dreams by taking action now. So until next time, I'm Emily Williams and this is the I Heart My Life show and I'll talk to you very soon.